Kane's Big Joe for Absolute Comfort, your trusted independent American Standard Air dealer. And owner Chris Wedekin sells the Mitsubishi Electric Mini Split, a great option for heating and cooling where ductwork can't be installed. If you have one of those homes that has baseboard heat or electric heat, ceiling cable heat, these can be specifically designed for those houses because in those houses it's very difficult to have them do all the construction and remodeling that goes with adding ductwork into those types of homes. Find out more by going to absolutecomfort.org. Absolute Comfort is your trusted independent American Standard Air Mitsubishi Electric Elite Ductless Pro Dealer. I mentioned before the break that I was out at Premier Arms here uh, Thursday night, and and, and I was pleased to be there because the topic was defunding the ATF. And and my friend uh, Casey Daniels, uh, you know her from the mid-morning show uh, where, that she co-hosts. Uh, Casey's good people, and uh, and she got invited to sort of MC this thing. And uh, and given the topic uh, of defunding the ATF and whatnot, um, she invited me to come out as well, and I was happy to to accept that invitation. And 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 you know, it's kind of interesting when you look at the topic defunding the ATF. I mean, the ATF is essentially a law enforcement agency with specific responsibilities. And I could be accused of hypocrisy, frankly, because I've been very vocal in opposing these liberal groups who are out advocating for defunding the police. Right? And we saw out of the summer of love, as Hammer and Nigel always talk about it in 2020, uh, after the George Floyd murder, as it turned out, and 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 a lot of folks in and getting uh, very adversarial with police departments across the country. I mean, burning down police stations, and 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 then we've since seen an absolute war on cops. And and my friend Rick Snyder, the president of FOP Lodge eighty six, that represents rank and file law enforcement officers here in Central Indiana. You know, he's been on my show. Uh, I've interviewed him as I've subbed for Tony Katz or, or I've been on Hammer and Nigel. And he's talked about this war on cops and, and how this defund the police effort is really very damaging. It's damaging to the morale of law enforcement and it's dangerous because where law enforcement officers, your rank and file police officers, don't have the support they need, either because they don't have the manpower they need and they all were down, I think, a couple of hundred officers last time I saw right here in Indianapolis, as far as IMPD, is way behind on staffing. Well, you don't have enough officers on the street. You don't have enough backup for your, your officers that are on duty. Then that becomes a very dangerous situation. And so this whole defund the police effort that the, the liberals are out, the, the, the anti-police, the, the progressives, the Democrats, whatever, whatever group you want to ascribe it to, I think they're pushing a very dangerous agenda. So so was I being a hypocrite for being at Premier Arms discussing the topic of defunding the ATF being essentially a law enforcement agency? Well, I want to I want to talk about that a little bit and talk about why I enthusiastically accepted that, inv- that invitation. Again, it was a person running for Congress that I had not met before. So I, I was certainly not there to endorse or support their campaign, although I liked him. Charles Bookwalter, good guy, clearly a, 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 a heroic veteran, and, and had a lot of good things to say. And I'll have a lot more to say about that race, including other candidates 
including somebody I have to acknowledge is my friend was Craig Haggard, uh, also a combat veteran and a U.S. Marine fighter pilot, and someone who's already been fighting for Second Amendment rights for quite some time, including as as part of NRA. That's when I met him originally. But 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 we'll get into that race uh, as that primary gets much closer next spring. In the meantime, let's talk about defunding the ATF because because. Again, I thought long and hard about this. And and I don't want to have any law enforcement agency out there not have the resources it needs or the staffing it needs to be able to do their job safely. So that's issue number one. When I'm talking about defunding the ATF, I'm talking about potentially disbanding the ATF. And there's been discussion of that because they've really lost, in my mind, their direction of really serving the role they were intended to, to serve when they were founded. And, and we say ATF, it's actually B-A-T-F-E. It's Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. So you got alcohol in there, you got tobacco in there, and firearms and explosives. And and there's there's a great T-shirt or bump sticker bumper sticker out there that talks about alcohol, tobacco, firearms, and explosives. It shouldn't be a law enforcement agency. It should be a convenience store. I always chuckle when I see that, whether it's a meme or a T-shirt or whatever it happens to be. But the, the ATF, in terms of its regulation of firearms in particular, I think has lost its way, and and they've they've lost their way in large part because. They have been weaponized by whatever administration is in the White House at the time to really go out and infringe the rights of law-abiding citizens. And I see it. This is what I do for a living. My primary job, as my wife always says, I've got too many jobs. I'm a firearms instructor. I have the radio show. I, I wrote a book, the Gun Safety and Cleaning for Dummies book. And, and, and but my main job, 90% of my time, and my resources are, are devoted to the practice of law as a Second Amendment lawyer. And, and I've had a number of clients over the years who have really been victimized by a weaponized ATF. And this happens at a number of different levels. First of all, there's the, there's the political side and, and where the, the, the people at the very top of the agency, these are the political appointees, including some lifers who are, you know, staffers. None of these people are elected. If you don't like something the ATF is doing, pardon for the noise there, my microphone kind of wants to come apart from the stand here, so I'm wrestling with that a little bit while I'm talking on the radio. But, but, but the, the, the people who are appointed people that are hired into the ATF, including at the very highest levels, nobody elected them. They're just an employee of an administrative agency, an executive agency, part of the executive branch under the president. And if you don't like something the ATF's doing, you don't vote against them in the next election because they were never elected to begin with. And we could broaden the discussion to say this is part of what I think is one of the greatest travesties in this country. One is the runaway debt, but sticking closer to home for the gun guy show, the other incredibly horrific development over the last couple of hundred years, certainly the last hundred years, 
has been the creation and the per- permissiveness associated with a, with with a, an entirely unconstitutional, in my mind, fourth branch of government that has arisen in this country, completely inconsistent with the, the intention of the founders. The structure of government we have, as defined by this beautiful document, our United States Constitution, the freedoms that you and I enjoy and the, and the, that the founders intended for us to enjoy, to a very large degree, we're going to be specifically protected and secured through the separation of powers, that no one agency, no one branch of government would have all the power consolidated in it, that being the legislative power, that is the ability to make laws, including laws that can send you to jail, the executive, which is to the enforcement of the law, and the judicial, which is the interpretation of the law where you create separation of powers and you insist on that separation, you have checks and balances. Where you allow all power to be consolidated in one branch of government, you lose freedom. That is as unavoidable as the sun coming up in the east. And the founders knew that. And that's why they insisted on separation of powers. But what do we have today? We have this fourth branch of government. That is the administrative agencies of the federal government, and frankly, this exists at the state level too. Look at all the power the different health departments, including the state health department, had during COVID. Shutting down businesses, people putting people out of business. Not allowing people to go to work. Restricting travel. Creating rules that affected your lives dramatically. Well, at the federal level, the IRS can pass rules that can land you in prison. The IRS can do it. The EPA can and does to put you in prison. That's legislative. Passing those rules, that's a legislative function. They can interpret their own rules in the sense that we have this ridiculous Chevron deference, you can Google that, comes out of a case involving Chevron Corporation, where the Supreme Court said, well, these are the experts on the regulations that they administer. So since they're the experts, we sh- the courts really defer to administrative agencies on their interpretation, not only of the regulations that they enforce, but on the breadth of their regulatory ability to begin with. That is the scope of what they've been delegated to do by Congress. They can interpret that themselves. What's that? Interpreting laws, interpret, including the interpretation of the, your own breadth of responsibility, that's judicial. And then enforcement of law, that's executive. Well, that's what they were intended to do. But we've allowed one branch of government that this, the founders of this country never intended to exist at all to possess all powers, legislative, executive, and judicial. It's not the way the founders created this country. In fact, they they worked long and hard. Read the Federalist Papers on separation of powers to protect our liberties, to protect the freedoms that they put into the Constitution. They insisted on separation of powers. That's not what we have. So now we'll talk about ATF specifically. Does the ATF pass regulations, pass rules itself that can land you in prison? Oh, hell yes. I know I defend the cases. 
Did Congress create the bump stock ban? No. ATF did. Congress didn't. Did Congress create the requirement to register your your braced pistol with a pistol brace on it as an SBR? No. ATF did that. Did Congress do anything to say that the kits you can buy to assemble your own gun, including unfinished lower receivers, that those are now firearms and shall be regulated as firearms, and if you sell those, you have to be an FFL, a federal firearms licensee, and if you, if you aren't, you can go to prison for five years. Did Congress do that? No, the ATF did that. And the list goes on and on and on. We're well past the quarter hour. It's time to take a break. But now I'm just talking about the administrative side and the policy side. I'm not even talking about the enforcement side or the industry regulation side. I'm going to get into all those issues talking about why I was there supporting the idea of dramatically limiting the scope of authority for the ATF. You want to call that defunding the ATF? Okay. I think I'm thinking in more specific terms, which is pulling back on the reins and restricting the rights of this government agency that has way too much ability not only to influence your life, but to put you in prison as an executive agency. It's not the way the brilliant, brilliant, brilliant founders of this great country ever envisioned it operating. No way, no how, not a chance in hell. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm talking about the ATF, and, and listen, I'm talking about the policy side, and that is the ATF passing regulations. They can put you in prison. And, 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 and... <laughs> How completely antithetical that is to the design our brilliant founders had for this country. That's, that's Congress's job. That, that, that's a legislative function. And I got to tell you, I, I say it often. I, I voted for the guy enthusiastically twice. If he's the nominee, I'll vote for him again. But President Trump did us no favors in this area. He really started the tidal wave of regulation by ATF, again, that could put you in prison. And that is after the horrific Las Vegas mass shooting, still the largest mass shooting ever in the history of America. And a lot of people were very concerned about what Congress might do as a result of that shooting. People were worried about a so-called assault weapon ban. But in looking at it, reportedly, and again, there's an awful lot we don't know about that shooting. I, I mention that often here. But reportedly, that shooter, who we still know very, very little about, which is just odd, he reportedly used at least one bump stock. Now, I've heard a lot of guns fire that had bump stocks on them, and, and the, the audio I heard, part of the videos that came out, did not sound in any way like a gun with a bump stock on it. It sounded fully automatic to me. But I never served in the military, so I can't say I'm an authority on that issue. But at any rate... Because a bump stock was allegedly used in that mass shooting, President Trump came out. I remember the press conference where he did it. I said, oh, bump stocks are gone. Let me just tell you, bump stocks are gone. And the NRA, and I was very critical of the NRA for this. In fact, right about the time this happened, I thought, you know, 
That's when I really started thinking about forming a group that I eventually did, the two-way project. Because I'm like, ah, we need a strong, powerful, influential NRA at the national level, but I'm worried about the direction that group's going. And I'm still a benefactor level, life member of NRA. I, I'm, I'm not, I, hope the, I hope the NRA gets its head on straight. I hope they completely restructure and restaff, especially at the very highest levels. But that's when I started thinking, mm, we need some help, because the NRA came out after the Las Vegas shooting and said, we invite the ATF to reexamine the legality of bump stocks. The NRA, a gun rights group, said, well, you know, the ATF ought to take a second look at whether or not these things are legal. The president of the United States, Republican president of the United States said, oh, they're gone. What did both the NRA and President Trump tell the ATF to do? They told them to legislate. Make something illegal that's not currently illegal. Is that something an executive agency should have any ability to do? No. Hell no. That's legislative. Obama wanted to do it. Remember Obama talking about, well, I can't get any gun control through Congress, but I have a phone and a pen. Remember that quote? I have a phone and a pen. What's he talking about? He was talking about calling executive agencies, specifically the ATF, and tell them to make stuff illegal. I think uh, he got counsel to say, well, you can't do that because it's unconstitutional. Why is it unconstitutional? Because Article 1, Section 1, right at the beginning of the Constitution, this is right under the We the People introduction. Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution says all legislative power shall be vested in a Congress of the United States consisting of a Senate and a House of Representatives called the Vesting Clause. All legislative power. For an executive agency, part of the executive branch, not part of Congress, not part of the legislative branch at all. For them to be able to snap their fingers and create a rule that puts you in prison because you own a bump stock? Oh, yeah, a bump stock's a machine gun. No, it's not. No, it's not. And courts across the country have all, I, hell, I won a bump stock case in the Northern District of Indiana. That's legislative. President Trump started that. And since then, again, I rattled off some other examples. They're, now they're looking at forced reset triggers. Oh, that makes it a machine gun. No, it doesn't. Binary triggers are in the crosshairs. Pistol braces, there you go. Now you've got a pistol brace on your pistol. Oh, and that's an unregistered SBR. If you haven't registered under the NFA, now you're going to go do 10 years in federal prison. Did Congress do that? No, the ATF did that. That's not okay. That's not okay. Should that be attacked as unconstitutional under Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution? Hell, yes. And that's even before you get to the Second Amendment arguments, as reinforced by the Bruin decision last year. But that's not the end of the abuses from ATF. And again, we've got whatever administration's in the White House to blame and the courts to blame to the extent they don't step up and hold these things as unconstitutional, as an, as an, as an unconstitutional exercise of legislative power by an executive agency. The courts have allowed them to do that. The Supreme Court has allowed them to do that. This so-called Chevron deference BS needs to get reined back. 
Well, there's a bump stock case. I've talked about the Cargill case. That's been accepted by the Supreme Court. They may very likely look at Article 1, Section 1 and Chevron deference as part of that case. I would love to see them yank ATF back dramatically on its ability to legislate. But we'll talk more about the problem in that area and go on because we're not done yet. There's an industry operations side. There's an enforcement side. Again, I think this is all based on direction from the very top of the agency as directed by the White House is my personal speculation. But we'll get more into those issues when we come back. Right now, we're taking a break. Give us a call if you want to join the discussion, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We're talking about an event that I participated in with uh, a gentleman running for Congress, Charles Bookwalter, and Casey Daniels, uh, my friend, uh, co-host of the mid-morning show here on 93 WIBC, and Casey's actually the one that invited me to come out and participate in this. And and we're talking about defunding the ATF. And, I, and I'm, I'm talking about all the different ways that ATF's been weaponized against private citizens. And and I'm talking about this rulemaking authority that they've undertaken, which, again, antithetical to our whole system of government, and particularly with the separation of powers. But there, there is a, a Supreme Court rule, a rule of law called the rule of lenity. This may be one you haven't heard of. Unless you heard me mention it here on the Gun Guy Show. It's lenity. It kind of looks like leniency, but that's not it. What's the rule of lenity? A rule of lenity is if a, if a statute passed by Congress is ambiguous, like, oh, say, arguably the definition of machine gun, an administrative agency cannot interpret that rule, that law passed by Congress in such a way that can put people in jail. Well, what have they done with bump stocks? They've interpreted Congress's definition of machine gun, which is essentially you get more than one bullet fired from a gun that is more than one projectile fired by a gun per one manipulation of the trigger. That makes it a machine gun. If you only manipulate the trigger once and get one projectile leaving the gun, that's not a machine gun. Well, a bump stock doesn't convert a semi-automatic into an automatic. It just simply does not. You still have to manipulate the trigger for each shot. But after President Trump told them to do so, they interpreted the definition of machine gun to be, well, kind of, sort of, like a machine gun. And that includes a bump stock. Can you go to jail for having an unregistered machine gun, quote-unquote, because you have a bump stock on your semi-automatic rifle? Yes, I've defended that case. Does that violate the rule of lenity? Yeah, absolutely it does. But it doesn't stop there. Look what they did with the definition of firearm. Well, yeah, we need to regulate these so-called ghost guns, so if it's a part that you could use to make a firearm, we're just going to call that a firearm. No. Congress defined what a firearm is, and it doesn't include parts, unless it's the actual receiver. So no, no, and hell no. Can you go to jail? Well, sure. And that's the way they intend it. 
Again, we're, let's, 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 let's redefine how we're interpreting short-barreled rifle, specifically the phrase designed to be fired from the shoulder. It came out and said specifically, no, having a pistol brace on your pistol does not make it a firearm designed to be fired from your shoulder. They said that for 10 years, and they just said, mm, we changed our mind. They just changed their mind at the direction of the Biden administration. Oh, now you have to register your braced pistol as an SBR or you go to prison for 10 years. Does that violate the rule of lenity? Hell yes, it does. No question. And I'm hoping this Cargill case on bump stocks really pulls back on the this authority for ATF to pass regulations that will put you in jail. But that's not where the abuses end. And I see it in my law practice. I also see it on the enforcement side. And look, I've met a lot of the enforcement people from ATF. And the people I've met, the individuals, have for the most part been really good people. A lot of times they're, they're, they're gun people, men and women. They're, they're enthusiasts. They shoot. Or they compete on their own time. And I've met some people I really liked. I, I'm sitting, I sat out in front of my office having a cigar with an ATF enforcement agent. And I, I walked away saying, man, this guy and I could be good friends. Completely reasonable. But I think the orders are from on high. That is the head of the ATF. And, and that direction comes straight from the White House. I'm absolutely convinced. To hassle people and arrest people and, 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 and to work with the U.S. Attorney's Office, those are the lawyers in the Justice Department, to prosecute people that should not be prosecuted. I'll give you an example. And I have a lot more. But I, I had a client who had to hire me because he was being prosecuted for multiple felony counts, almost 20 counts. And this was a guy that came to the attention of the ATF because he had an FFL. He had a federal firearms license. So he was fully licensed by the federal government to buy and sell firearms. He also had his SOT, a special occupational tax, and his manufacturer's license, such that he could actually manufacture not only firearms, but manufacture NFA items, including suppressors. And so he would manufacture suppressors, and he would serialize them, he'd register them with ATF, and then he'd sell them. And a suppressor is not real difficult to manufacture. It's essentially a, a metal tube with a baffle in it, an expansion chamber, a threaded end, threaded ends, depending on what kind of attachment device you're going to use to put it on your firearm, and, and an end cap that's drilled so as to allow the projectile to exit the suppressor. It's not real complex manufacturing. There's an administrative hassle because you've got to register this with ATF. So so in, in the process of manufacturing suppressors, <laughs> luckily for him, just a good practice by him, he sent an email to ATF, his industry operations guy, and said, hey, when these are quote-unquote complete, that is, my suppressors on manufacturing, I'm supposed to register them. That is, notify ATF I've got a completed suppressor and tell them what the serial number is, along with the dimensions, et cetera, et cetera. And he asked how complete they need to be. And the response was essentially, 
when they're fully manufactured. Just let us know within 24 hours after it's fully made. Fully made. So he, again, got the attention of ATF because he was selling guns at a gun show. And I'll, let me just tell you, if you're selling guns at a gun show, just expect to be under the microscope from ATF. They are there. They're taking your picture. They've got undercover people trying to buy guns from you. They're interviewing people you've sold guns to. You are under a microscope if you're selling guns at gun shows. Specifically, if you don't have an FFL or even if you do, that's the federal firearms license. But he came in under the under that microscope from ATF, and ATF ends up getting a warrant. They raid his house, and they found, I want to say 18. It was a, a, a large number of incomplete suppressors, essentially metal tubes that had not even been threaded yet for an end cap. Had not even been threaded yet. There was no end cap on the gun, not on the suppressor. And there couldn't be an end cap because they weren't threaded or welded or any other mechanism that would allow the end cap to be put on the, the, on the suppressor. So with no end cap, it did not function as a suppressor. It was not complete. Following the direction of ATF, once he completed it, at that point he was supposed to tell ATF about it and notify them so that it's registered under NFA as a manufactured item that can then be sold pursuant to the NFA. But they said, well, you know what? These aren't threaded. They aren't complete. They don't have any end caps on them. But let's just call them suppressors and accuse the guy of having unregistered suppressors in his possession and prosecute him for something like 18 counts of a felony of possession of an unregistered NFA item and threaten him with decades and decades and decades of, pr- of prison time. Guy has to hire me as his lawyer. Now, did I successfully get all that dismissed? Yes. Did I eat a lot of my fee? Yes. But at the same time, it should have never happened. That's because the ATF has become a very, very large degree a rogue agency. They just want the message to go out. Oh, we'll come mess with you. You ought to just get out of this business. And then they'll negotiate with you. Well, you know, we might let some of these counts go. If you just sacrifice, you just give up your FFL. They're trying to force federal firearms licensees out of the business. And I think that's a direction that comes on from the very top. It's an attack on your Second Amendment rights. If you have nowhere to buy a gun... Do you really have a Second Amendment right? That's an attack on the industry as a backdoor attack on the Second Amendment. I see it. I live it right alongside my clients. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up this edition because there's even another area in which the ATF really has become horribly abusive and I think weaponized against American gun owners by the United States government at the very highest levels. We'll come back and wrap up this edition of The Gun Guy Show when we come back. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. But at any rate, uh, the last area that I want to talk about, and one of the reasons that I am such a vocal critic of ATF and where we've ended up with them. And again, I don't, I don't necessarily blame a lot of the rank-and-file people. I've met a lot of them, particularly in, in enforcement. Enforcement, they're the door kickers, man. They're the folks that will show up with body armor and guns, and and, and, and and they'll kick doors in. They're the ones that carry handcuffs and guns. But there's also another 
a whole other group called industry operations. And they're more, I don't mean this part of it negatively, I'll be plenty negative here in a minute, but they're more the administrative side. And listen, for years and years and years, the industry operations folks at ATF were really, they saw as their job, I know I've talked to them about it, they saw as their job helping gun owners, gun store owners, I should say, that is FFLs, Federal Firearms Licensees, they saw their job as helping those gun businesses, those gun stores, stay on the right side of the law in terms of how to fill forms out and, and how to maintain their records because there are legal requirements for how you maintain records. For instance, ATF and other law enforcement agencies may have to do a trace. They'll find a gun at a crime scene. They'll contact the manufacturer. They'll figure out, based on make model serial number, when and to whom that that manufacturer sold that gun. They'll go to that, often a distributor, or might be directly to a gun store. Say, all right, who'd you sell that gun to? And they have to maintain those records. And industry operations really saw it as their job to help people stay on the right side of the law. And, and, And I've talked to gun shop after gun shop after gun shop who have said they've even been told directly by their industry operations person that they're not even so sure they want to stay in the job because they've been told by their bosses at ATF that their job is no longer to help gun stores stay on the right side of the law, to help them operate their store lawfully in compliance with all the different regulations. Their job now is to find any excuse to put them out of business, to revoke their handgun license, their handgun license, their federal firearms license, that is their license to sell firearms. They're looking for an excuse to put them out of business. And, 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 and a lot of these folks, again, they, they get an enforcement action brought against them based on the, the silliest examples of, of very minor deviations from this myriad of complex federal regulations. And that's not okay. Do I think the reins to be, need to be pulled back? Oh, hell yes. Hell yes. That's why I'm participating in the discussion of yanking back on the power of the ATF. Thanks for joining us. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC.